Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the No Shortage of Questions podcast. This is a special podcast that we're doing because today is Ash Wednesday, the start of Lent. Uh, so I am Nick and I am joined by Andy. Andy, how are you doing today? Hey, Nick, doing awesome. So Andy, uh, do you have services today at Cambridge Lutheran for Ash Wednesday? We have three of them today. Wow, we have one tonight at 7. Also have a soup supper. I don't know why, but for my whole life, I've always associated Ash Wednesday with soup. Do you guys do soup? (laughs) We have a soup lunch. We tried, uh, yeah, there'll be 50 people there. We tried a soup dinner, and we just couldn't get people to go to them. I'm not sure what we were doing wrong, but soup lunch, man, they'll turn right out. I just, I don't know what it is about Ash Wednesday and soup, but it just goes together. So I'm excited to see all the different uh, flavors of soup. It's always one of those things. It's like there's, you know, 18 different soups. And which one do you try? And do you go back for seconds? Do you offend somebody (laughs) if you don't try their soup? But is 18 different soups too much soup? Oh, I love it. Yeah, probably. We do two kinds of soup. So. Oh, so yours is in a potluck? Yeah, we, uh, you know, potlucks, this is one church, I don't know why, we've never done a lot of potlucks here. We have someone preparing two different kinds of soup, and uh, yeah, so often very good. Are you sure you're Lutheran? (laughs) It's what it says in the sign. All right, so uh, we're going to discuss three questions today, today being the the start of Lent. We're going to ask three questions, and uh, the first question we'll ask is, why ashes? The second is, what is the point of Lent? And the third is, what is the best way to observe or participate in Lent? And so uh, Andy and I, both being Lutheran pastors, are going to give a, give you our best perspective for uh, why we do Lent, why Lent is important, why Ash Wednesday is important. And so I guess I'll just go ahead and get us started. So why ashes? Why ashes? Andy, do you have anything to, to say about why we do Ash Wednesday? You know, there was a movement in this church way back that they didn't do Ash Wednesday because it was too Catholic, which is kind of an interesting perspective uh, that was at least one of that. It wasn't part of the piety of the people of this church. I don't know exactly when it started here, but uh, they began doing ashes and doing Ash Wednesday. And I think it's in part because it's a very meaningful way to begin the season of Lent. And also, Ash Wednesday services are very powerful and they're unique. I mean, it's probably the heaviest service of the entire year. And uh, for the ash part of it, what we do is we take uh, every couple of years, we don't do it every year, we take palms from Palm Sunday and we burn them. And then we kind of make them into this consistency of this very dark black ash. And then during all of the services, uh, we literally put ash on people's forehead as a sign of the cross. Remember that you were dust, and to dust uh, you shall return. And it's a very moving uh, ritual that's tied into a scriptural practice, uh, and it's a reminder of our mar- mortality. Nick, what are your thoughts on ashes? Yeah, so the Bible references ashes a few times, and so I look at uh, the Old Testament understanding because both two times that I've have our, our Old Testament understandings and in Job, Job chapter two, Job, uh, if you know the story of Job, Job had his children taken, his children died uh, and was just going through so much pain and suffering. And it says that he went and sat among the ashes as he was grieving loss. And so he went and sat out there 
among the ashes, which we believe is probably the local garbage dump because they burned their trash uh, back then. So he just went out there and sat among the ashes. I don't know if he felt comforted there as he grieved, but that's where he went. And then in Jonah, ashes are used for repentance. Uh, We know the story of Jonah getting swallowed by the fish and returned to the shore so they could go to Nineveh and proclaim God's judgment on the city of Nineveh. And when the king of Nineveh heard that, he sat in the ashes as a way of repentance. And so do we look at ashes as a way of repentance? I think you could really look at it. For, for me, my understanding of repentance in the Lutheran tradition is that, you know, our first and, and most important act of repent, repentance is our baptism. When we come to the waters of baptism and when we say, basically what we're saying in baptism is, you know, in the Lutheran understanding of baptism, we're not being washed, we're being drowned, and the old sinful self is being drowned. And so we're coming to the waters of baptism and saying, I want to become something new. I want this old sinful part of me, or we're making this decision for our children, to, to be to be gone. And then as we come out where the sign of the cross is made on our forehead, then we're actually putting ashes to make the sign of the cross uh, on our forehead. I think that there's a really neat connection, but I think part of it is that it goes back to what you were saying, this idea of Remember, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. It's the mortality piece. And remember that, you know, you this body that you have here on earth is a temporary vessel. And every year we, we put ashes on the foreheads of people who, who that's very real for them and who may not be at Ash Wednesday next year, right? Because we lose people every year. And so that is a very real reminder for, for folks who are getting closer to the end of their life. Uh, you know, not putting an age on that because we certainly never know. But, but man, it's really hard when you, I remember the first time when my wife brought my daughter up and my daughter wasn't even a year old yet. My wife carried her up to have ashes placed on her forehead. And it's so difficult to say to my child who, you know, I love so dearly, remember you are dust and to dust you shall return. It can be very moving and it can be very difficult to be reminded of one's mortality. But also it's a very important piece of understanding our hope in Jesus Christ. Our hope in Jesus Christ is bigger than this life. Uh, and, and so I think it's an important part of who we are as people of faith to, to remind one another that nothing here is permanent, but God is permanent. God is eternal. And the, the gifts that God has for us are also eternal. So I think it's an important part of, of what we do and why we do it. Any response to that, Andy? Yeah, nice biblical context for why we do ashes. That's often the question that comes up. Um, I mean, ashes are not a sacrament, of course, uh, something that God has instituted is the definition of a sacrament, but they are kind of a symbol, they are a ritual that is strangely very meaningful for people for the reasons that you have noted, that life is finite, uh, at least in our physical body. And uh, yeah, it's 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 really, I mean, people come out for Ash Wednesday. They're not going to all be out for the remaining Wednesdays in Lent, but they come out and uh, you see people all over town with ashes. I mean, there are even some churches, I'm not sure how I feel about this one, they have drive-by ashes, and they literally have an, uh, some sort of station outside the church where people can drive by and, and stop by, and they'll receive ashes and a blessing from whoever is doing it at, outside on the church on the way to wherever it is that they're going. So, Nick? Yeah, we uh, we have the drive-by ashes here, the ashes to go, or... I know some of the local pastors will go down to the train station and do ashes in the morning. We hired a, youth, a new youth director recently, and he wanted to put a sign out front that said, get your ash in church. 
I thought, well, that's funny, but I don't know if that's kind of the message we want to send. But, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> right. it's also a unique day where you see people on TV and you see people all around with their ass. And I think it's a real unique witness for the rest of the for the rest of the world to see, you know, why are people wearing, you know, a black mark on their forehead? You like to think they're all crosses, but by the time you get to the end, these some are just black smudges. But I think it's a it's a great time to to see that unique witness. Yeah, absolutely. I have that coffee mug, by the way. Get your ash in church. I'll be using it today. <laughs> great. So I know. Great. That's right. If you're wondering where you get that, I think it might be from Old Lutheran or one of those, but I'm not sure entirely. Nick? Uh, yeah. So, uh, okay. So today is not just Ash Wednesday. It's the start of Lent. Lent is a time when uh, uh, 40 days between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday, a time when uh, some people give up things. Uh, you know, churches and worship service will not say uh, Alleluia because that's too exciting. It's too uplifting <laughs> for this <laughs> time of the geez. year. Uh, what is the point of Lent? Andy, do you have any thoughts on that? Why do we do it? Well, the short version is discipling. I mean, being discipled. It's discipleship. I mean, our uh, series title theme for Lent this year is Being Disciples. And we have a book on it. We're challenging people to, uh, you know, to grow as a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's tied into the ancient practice. The 40 days of Lent were traditionally 40 days prior to Easter that people use to prepare for baptism, to prepare for, you know, the entrance into the community of faith of Jesus Christ. And so they would take 40 days of, you know, whatever, there are all kinds of big fancy words for it, but basically learning, hey, what does this mean? How do I prepare to be a follower of Jesus Christ? You and I and all of the people in our churches are people that need to prepare better, who need to get better at doing life as a follower of Jesus. So this is one of the times where it's all very intentional discipleship. And so we're going to have, you know, a book. Uh, We encourage people to read it. It's called Being Disciples. It's by Rowan Williams. It's just a short book with six different sections. We're going to do a Wednesday evening worship. We're going to have some uh, devotional pieces that we hand out. And then we're inviting people to do various practices. And what is the point of all that? It's not to do something to do something, but it's to, in part, just to change things up a bit, to do things a little differently, such as fasting, And uh, we'll get into that in a moment. But I think the point of Lent is really to prepare and get better at being a Christ follower. Nick? Yeah, I agree. I think think preparing is part of it, but I think the first part of it for, for most people is taking time to examine what it is that we do, why we do the things we do, and how can we change to improve uh, to improve our lives as disciples. Uh, all that being said, though, I think that it's important that we say, you know, the psalm, the psalm for Lent is Psalm 51, created me a clean heart. And while we want clean hearts, while we want to improve, you know, I think we have to remember that it's God who does it. It's God who does the transforming. But it's really difficult to to let God do any kind of transformational work if we don't pay attention to what God is trying to do. If we don't, you know, if we're running 100 miles an hour, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week with all the other things that life has to throw at us and we don't sit and reflect and examine uh, and see what the Spirit is trying to to do with us and through us and for us, uh, then I think Lent is the perfect opportunity to do that. It's a time to pause everything else going on in life and re-engage in what 
God is trying to do in your life, re-engage in what you know what God would have would say to you, uh, re-engage in what God would do with you and through you, and how God is trying to use you for for the kingdom. Uh, and so it's a it's a forty days of of examining and and preparing and improving and figuring out, you know, God, this, this story that you're going to hear over Lent, this story that you're going to hear over Holy Week, what impact has that made on your life? And you know, what, what does that mean for the rest of, uh, for the rest of your life? And what changes can you make? I mean, I, I know that some people give stuff up for Lent or pick stuff up and, you know, it's, you do it for 40 days and, and then you're done with it. And it's like, well, God's never done with us and we're never done with God. And so, you know, I, I, I also think one of the things that I struggle with in Lent, Andy, is I know it's supposed to be 40 days because, you know, 40 days is a biblical 40 days. You know, Noah was on the ark 40 days. Moses was on the mountain. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. And so this kind of echo uh, mirrors the 40 days of Jesus in the wilderness. But at the same time, you know, I don't think that we need to make or I don't think we should make Lent 40 days of returning to a different covenant, 40 days of, of being about works instead of being about grace. You know, we are on the other side of the empty tomb and we are on the other side of the cross and we do need to proclaim a God who is loving and a God who has made promises to us that, uh, you know, promises that change our reality, promises that change the way we see the world. Uh, and, and there is a, a, a point where we can celebrate and examine at the same time. I don't think we should, you know, miss out on what God has done and then start to think, well, you know, now now let's talk about the, the things that we can do, uh, the works that we can do to make ourselves look better before God. Yeah, that's a key point. Absolutely. Uh, why? Yeah, don't look back. We are under the new covenant. I love how you put it, you know, we're this side of the empty tomb. That's absolutely one of the things that's always bugged me a little bit about Ash Wednesday and Lent, and I've never fully gotten an answer. I was satisfied with this, but we're putting ashes on our forehead at the beginning of the worship service. And then the traditional reading on Ash Wednesday is about, you know, don't fast and grimace and, you know, before men in order to be seen by them. In other words, to earn points for being religious, for doing religious practices that you might be praised for it. If you do that, you've already earned your reward. And so it's always cracked me up a little bit, but, uh, we, uh, it, it's still very meaningful, and that's not why we're doing it in order to be seen by others. And it's not doing things simply to do something. It's about uh, beyond ourselves, something beyond ourselves. So moving into that uh, kind of a topic, Nick, what's the uh, best way to uh, observe Lent, to participate in it? Well, so I think this is probably going to be one of those questions where the answer is going to be different for everybody, but... As I said, you know, some people will give things up. Some people will give up uh, sweets, you know, something that is sugar. Some people will give up alcohol. Some people will give up salt. Uh, in the past, I've given up red meat, or at least I've tried to. I think it was funny one year I gave up red meat, and I was sitting at a baseball game, and someone said, oh, here, you want a hamburger? I'm like, yeah, sure. And I'm eating. I'm like, oh, man, I forgot I gave up red meat, but I already took one bite. I might as well finish it. <laughs> uh, That's great. Some people are giving up social media or other things. Uh, if you give it up just to give it up, I I don't know that there's any value in that. If you give it up for the sake of of okay, this is where I would go on Facebook, but instead of going on Facebook, I'm going to be um, uh, I'm going to be intentional about reading the Bible, or I'm going to be intentional about praying, or or I'm going to be you know I, when you when the desire for 
uh, some alcohol or salt or sugar or hamburger, whatever comes up, you're going to say, no, I'm not doing that because I am, you know, using this, 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 this desire that I feel in my body now, actually, I want to re-engage that and, and I want to change that and make that a desire to, to be in, in closer relationship with God. Uh, but giving it up just to give it up, there's no value. But if you're going to use those times where you would return to do that thing, or uh, then, then I think there's value to it. I know some people will add something to their life in Lent. Uh, in the past, we've done 40 days of uh, 40 days of, of gratitude, I think is what we called it, where every day we would count something in our house and we would give a coin. You know, you'd count the windows in your house and you'd give a coin for the windows uh, and then all that money would be donated at, at the end or, you know, that you would add reading the Bible every day or add praying every day or something. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I, I think that's probably a better way to go because you're doing something different and you're trying to, you know, it's a, it's a, that's a growing edge, I think, for people to, to try to start something new, to try to start a new discipleship practice. Uh, so I would certainly say that that's a, something you could do to participate in Lent. Uh, what are you going to do, Andy? Uh, one of the things that I started doing based on the practice of my predecessor here, uh, many, many years ago was to do a three day fast and the fast that I've traditionally done is a juice fast. And so my wife and I are both doing uh, a three-day juice fast. We actually began it a couple of days before uh, Lent began. So on Sunday night, uh, we both began fasting. And the juice fast that we do is I have a, if I don't drink caffeine, I get massive headaches, which is going to send my world spinning. So I have at least a cup of coffee in the morning, sometimes another one later in the day. And then I also drink green tea uh, uh, throughout the day. But we just uh, try and really, we don't eat any food. Uh, we don't, uh, she does more water than I do. Uh, but it's it's not a pure water fast because it's a Daniel fast, which is uh, a juice fast, at least for us. There are a number of different versions of it. And it's based on a passage in Daniel and in Daniel uh, there's a passage about uh, being strengthened uh, by giving things up and only eating, I think it's uh, vegetables. I can't remember if fruit fall under that. But uh, So, yeah, that's what we're going to be doing, do a three-day juice fast. And it's pretty fascinating because all these years I've done it, you know, you always start by halfway through the first day, you're always starving to death. And by the end of the night, you can't wait until this is done and you're wondering how good an idea this was. And you're thinking about as soon as this thing is done, I'm eating a steak. I'm going out for a massive steak. And usually what happens is by the end of it, you're hardly even hungry. And I always think I'm going to eat a ton of food. And at the end of the three-day fast, when I start eating again, I just eat a little bit. And and the purpose behind that is not only behind experiencing something biblical. Fasting is very biblical. But it's also uh, experiencing a... More than a denial, experiencing just walking away from our need for food, experiencing uh, something that, you know, life is so dominated by this, you know, when am I going to eat, everything that goes with eating, preparation, cleaning, the time to eat, all of that, uh, just stepping back from that. And literally, you experience physiological change, uh, you experience mental change, uh, as in a little more mental clarity, uh, you know. It's it's really an interesting experience to to be doing a fast like that, and I should have more of the passages uh, out to share with you why it is and what we experience on fasting. But uh, it is a spiritual experience to fast because 
in a, in a number of different levels, physiologically, uh, uh, mentally, spiritually, uh, you are doing something different and experiencing change. Uh, and I'm kind of going in circles now. But Nick, any thought on that? Are you hungry? Am I amazingly not. And uh, about a year ago, my wife and I started doing something called intermittent fasting, which is about four, five, six days a week. We'll go 14 hours without eating. In other words, after we eat, uh, you know, after supper or in the evening, we don't really eat again for the next 12 to 14 hours. And there are apparently some health benefits in that. That's not a spiritual thing in any way. But, yeah, I'm uh, going through this, and, and I'm not terribly uh, hungry. No, no, not at all. So Nice, nice. Well, I, I um, salute you in that. I uh, would certainly, if anyone's listening and looking for something to give up or something to do, those are just some ideas. Uh, certainly, you know, if you found us on Facebook and you decide to give up Facebook, you can find our podcast in other ways. So <laughs> don't give up our podcast for Lent because <laughs> we're not going to give up podcasting. So, uh, but uh, wish you all a wonderful Lent and we will be back next week with Mark chapter five. Uh, wish you all a wonderful and happy Ash Wednesday. That's kind of a weird thing to say, but but hope that you will go to church and, and have some soup and be with your community. Unless you're fasting, have some uh, have some celery water. I don't know what you're going to have tonight, but... <laughs> We're going to be eating celery water. That's right. So I'm going till, I'm going till uh, the evening of Ash Wednesday because we started Sunday night, three days, so we'll be going until uh, late Wednesday night is... Uh, so do you have a dinner planned for late so, tonight? Uh, no. Or will you just eat tomorrow morning? No. Uh, I'll eat something. As soon as that you know, 72-hour mark hits, I'm eating something. Well, okay, so here's what we're going to do. If you've made it this far in the podcast, I encourage you to comment on this podcast and suggest what Andy should eat tonight. So let's <laughs> hear some great. suggestions. What That's what can great. Andy break his fast with? So I'm going to throw out there uh, that Andy goes and gets a, a Reese's peanut butter cup. Uh, oh man, that sounds good. You're trying to wreck my fast early here. You know that man, that sounds tasty. So, all right, everybody, have a wonderful day, and we will see you next week. Thank you, Nick. Good to see you. Bye bye.